Welcome to Advancing the Art of Aging. I'm Carol Silver Elliott, President and CEO of the Jewish Home Family, a continuum of services for older adults located in northern New Jersey. And I am so delighted to have with me Samira Gray, who is the Director of Social Services at the Jewish Home at Rockley. Samira, welcome. Thank you for having me, Carol. I'm so excited. We're delighted to have you. So you're a new member of our team. How long have you been at the Jewish Home? So I've been here for about five months now. It feels to us like you've always been here. So that's a real credit to you. I know. For me, too. I was just thinking about, like, it's only been five months. It definitely (laughs) feels like a lot longer. But that means that it's going well. It is going well, and that's great. Samira, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what brought you to working in social services and what brought you to working in a long-term care setting? Absolutely. So my social work career started off as being a therapist for children and families. Um, I started my own family excitingly and it no longer brought me the joy that it was now having to parent myself. Um, So then I had gotten a position in the acute care system at a trauma hospital. And that's really where my love of working with the geriatric population and navigating insurances and helping to bridge the gap from acute care to subacute or long-term care kind of started to flourish. Um, And then a few years later, I decided that maybe going into the skilled nursing facility sector was the next step in my career. And I did that for a few years, and that led me here to the Jewish home, um, where I've been very happy. But being able to navigate this system that's so confusing for our geriatric population really is kind of where my heart pulled me to. Um, So getting to work with, you know, elders on a short-term basis and those that live here with us. um, So getting to see both sides of it as well and helping them navigate that. That's great. I think there are probably people who are listening to you saying she loves navigating the insurance issues. <laughs> tell it. Tell me what that's like for you. Um, so I always say insurance is the devil, um, <laughs> but navigating it really makes me feel like I accomplished something. So being able to just even educate the families and the elders on what their plan includes and how oftentimes people don't understand the difference between a Medicare and a managed Medicare. So being able to help them differentiate between the two and what they cover while they're here at a skilled nursing facility and what it may cover in the community for them. Oftentimes they don't know that there's this ample amount of things that could be covered in the community. And on the other hand, sometimes they don't know the limitations to their insurance. So being able to educate them from day one on what their stay is going to look like under their insurance is always helpful so that there's no surprises for them down the road. Absolutely. I do think that there's more misconceptions than there are actual understandings. You know, I can't even tell you how frequently I even get questions about, wait a minute, managed Medicare or Medicare? What's Medicare versus Medicaid? What does it cover? You know, I recently had a conversation with someone who's got a significant role in in shaping healthcare policy who didn't understand when it pertained to his own family what Medicare covered in a home care setting. And if he doesn't understand it, 
it says to me that a lot of people don't understand it. Yeah, absolutely. I actually just the other day I was a con- having a conversation with an elder's wife who is a also a fellow social worker, but in the clinical fields. And she said to me, you know, Samira, you're teaching me. I'm 70 years old and now I'm learning from you because I don't know how to navigate this as a social worker. It's not something we're taught in school. It's not a specialized class you get a certification in during your master's program, but it's just those years of experience and really wanting to learn the differences with the insurances. And oftentimes, too, like you said, this person who works with healthcare, when they are put in a situation where their loved one needs help, it can become overwhelming. Um, and you kind of, everything goes to the back of your head. So to have a social worker in the facility who can put it there for you, black and white, um, and help you answer all those questions can kind of put their mind at ease, even if it's something they may know. And later on down the line, they'll say, you know what, I actually did know that. But it could be overwhelming during that time. Well, the stress stress certainly makes us forget things or not remember them clearly or not able to process them. But lest we make it sound as if insurance is <laughs> what you do because it's not, tell us about what the role of a social worker in long-term care is. I would suspect that people don't even know we have social workers. And of course, it's a critical role. It'd be great if you would describe that a little more fully, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say the social worker is our elders' number one advocate. It's to you know be on their side and advocate for their needs, their rights. A lot of people don't even know that there's such things as resident rights that have to be followed in long-term care. Um, so there's a big education proponent of that. But number one, being their advocate, anything that they feel like their needs aren't being met, they can let their social worker know. And we kind of are like that, I call it the quarterback. We can go to any department and kind of figure it out with that department on what we're lacking in or even passing on a compliment. Um, Those are the best times when we get the compliments and we can pass them on to the other departments. Also being an advocate and kind of appear to the families because coming into long-term care is a huge adjustment, not only for the elder but for the family who may be feeling guilt or different types of emotions running through them. So being able to partner with them to make the stay for their loved one work out and that adjustment period go well and go quick. Um, We also provide, you know, I wouldn't say direct therapy in a way. It's not very clinical, but we're a sounding board. We're an ear for our elders to speak with us. Um, also linking them to any services that they may need and addressing their, you know, their psychosocial needs. What activities are they in? Are they feeling a little more secluded? Are they staying in their room a little more? These little nuances that we can catch on to as social workers that can help make their stay much better for them. Absolutely. And you really are that fulcrum point in so many ways for families. I know that there was just an article in the New York Times about the trauma of placing a loved one into a long-term care setting. And I don't know that people fully, first of all, I don't know that they fully understand that this is an expectation, that it's going to be traumatic for you because no matter what the circumstances are, your life is changing. But the other part, I think, is that people fall into this, it's only happening to me. And how, how, do, you, how do you move forward with people in that kind of situation? I always like to bring the conversation back to the topic of, at least with the elders, the loss of control. And I like to explain it with the families. Like, 
I get it. You feel a sense that you're losing control over something. When you were home, you had control over, you know, when you ate, what you ate, when you wanted to shower, you know, the things that you wanted to do. But we're not taking that all away from you by you entering long-term care. We still can accommodate those routines and those likes and those dislikes and, you know, find creative ways to make something work that may not have worked before. Um, And then, you know, letting the families know that it's okay to feel this little bit of guilt. It's normal. Um, Oftentimes, the elder that's placed in the long-term care will make it out to be like, this is the worst thing ever for them while they're adjusting. And that's oftentimes when the families are calling the social workers the most, like, what did I do? Why did I do this? Like, I feel so guilty. But, you know, reassuring them that their loved one is safe, they're participating in activities. I always like to be bring it back to, I saw them in an activity the other day. They were dancing, they were singing, um, because those are the things the family really needs to hear, that it's just not all negative. There's all these positives that are surrounding their loved one. And it's going to take time to adjust, but they will adjust. And oftentimes the family comes back a few months later and says, you know, you guys were right. They love it there. And that's the best thing that we can hear. We also hear frequently along those lines is, I don't know why I waited so long. I don't know why I waited so long because it is difficult. So sort of related to that, how do people know? How do they know when it's time to do something different than what they're doing? I think oftentimes it's too late when they find out that it's time to do something different. Um, multiple hospital readmissions is a big inkling that maybe things aren't being able to be handled as safely as at home. Um, I always say lean on the hospital social worker that, you know, they are a lot busier. It's a faster caseload than us in a facility, but they, it's their expertise to find the next level of care for your loved one. You know, sit down, have that meeting, question them. You know, maybe it's that there needs to be an aid at the home. And I feel like the trajectory is always multiple hospital admissions, putting an aid in the home. And when having that aid in the home is still not enough, um, then, you know, we enter the topic of maybe assisted living or long-term care dependent on, you know, the needs of the elder. But oftentimes it's too late. So, you know, I really strongly suggest that families start seeing what's out there, speak to people. You know, there's so many different services in the community that can help navigate these, these waters because they're deep and it's tough and you don't want to do it too late. For sure. And, you know, there are things that can be done to help preserve skills and function if we begin to do them early enough. I think so often either it's gradual enough that people don't see it or they kind of close their eyes to it because their loved one is always their loved one, you know. And then how often do we see this after, like, Thanksgiving? People call us on the phone, and they're, they're very panicked about, oh, my gosh, I went home for Thanksgiving, and, and my mother was completely different, right? She didn't have food in her refrigerator. She wore the same clothes three days in a row, you know. Her neighbor told me she got lost walking the neighborhood. Whatever those things are, when we're talking about cognitive impairment, it it really behooves adult children and other loved ones to sort of pay attention to those soft signs too. Yeah, and like, you know, the, the phrase you hear when you have a, a young child, it takes a village to raise them. It comes around full circle and it takes a village to ensure that our elders are safe 
and they're still living that purposeful life in the safest way possible. So having those good neighbors who can update you if you don't live close to your loved one um, and, you know, just being in contact with them as much as you can and really knowing what's out there is just the best course of action. Now, I don't want people to think that we only talk about long-term care admissions and people with cognitive impairments or physical impairments. We're also talking about short-term rehab, and social work plays a role there as well. Do you want to describe that for us? Sure. So I always say that the social worker starts the discharge planning on admission in a short-term facility. Oftentimes, short-term stays, you know, are generally around 21 days or so. So it's not a lot of time. You need to learn about the elder, learn about their home situation from day one, and really assess what's going to be the safest discharge plan for them as they progress through their rehab here. Um, So again, being an advocate for the elder, being that kind of connector piece for the family between the building and their loved one, Um, And then making sure that the services are the best fit for the elder when they go home, because there's a lot of services people don't know they're entitled to under their Medicare. There's services that a lot of veterans, I'm finding out, don't know that they're entitled to, like having a home health aid at home. Um, So linking them to those services at home if they're going home or exploring other options, like maybe going to an assisted living for even a short respite stay to see if maybe that's a good fit for them or, you know, potentially a brand new move in to an assisted living. So we kind of help facilitate all those working pieces and those family dynamics and different issues that may come up and kind of put them all together in this big puzzle that comes out beautifully in the end with a safe discharge plan. Sounds perfect, Samira. Thank you so much. You've covered a lot of ground here today. All of it great. I hope you'll come back and talk some more in depth with us and uh, much appreciate having you here today. Anytime. All of the children rise. Elders with wisdom rise. Ancestors surround us. Rise.